Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Welcome, and if you're a mom of a boy, you want to listen to this episode today. And if you're a mom of a boy, you are well aware of the unique challenges that come with raising a son, especially as a mom of a tween or teen boy, because so much changes when they become a tween. I know for me that when my son, who's now 28, hit the tween years, all of a sudden he went from talking to me every day and we would cuddle and he was so sweet and I knew everything that was, or at least knew a lot of what was going on in his life. And then all of a sudden he started becoming more distant and pulling away and not sharing as much. And honestly, I had to really learn how to connect with him differently and really honor this phase of his life, this stage where he was really learning how to be a young man. Well, today I have a very special guest, Kara Lewis, and she is the founder of the joyofboys.com. And she's had a lot of experience raising sons. She has four boys and she started the Joy of Boys to celebrate her sons and to provide this resource because there wasn't a lot of support for moms that were raising sons. And it's now grown into a resource that connects parents of boys with family-focused activities, parenting advice, and support to help them to connect and communicate with their sons to bring out the best of them. Kara has published two journals, A Mother and Her Son, A Shared Journal Adventure, which we talk about during this interview, and also A Father and His Son, A Shared Journal Adventure. And these journals are designed to help parents connect with their sons in a fun way. Make sure to listen until the end because Kara answers some really good questions that mom submitted when this was originally recorded. So let's jump in and I'm confident that you're going to get so many new ideas for navigating this special time in your son's life. Hello, everybody, and welcome. We are so excited that you're here. I know that we are going to learn so much from being with you today, and I want you to share, Kara, a little bit more about yourself. Okay. 
Well, back in 2011, I found out that I was having my fourth son. I was actually on bed rest and I was laying there thinking, okay, I'm going to be a mom of boys forever. You know, I was not planning on having any more children. And and so I actually went online. I started looking for resources for moms of boys. I went to Facebook, looked for groups, and there, there really wasn't a lot of support at that time. And so I just had this crazy idea, well, maybe I should just start the group, start the community and share some of the things I'm doing with my boys. Because if I was looking for support, I knew that there are other moms out there that were looking for support. And so over the past, you know, eight years or so, the community has just grown and we have a really a wonderful place for moms to come, sometimes vent, but also just celebrate raising sons. There's a lot of negative things that come in terms of um, assumptions people make about sons. And so being able to just come together and support each other, raise each other up, and really work on raising our boys to be the best men they can be. It's, it's been a really fun adventure. I love that. And I love that you created what you needed at the time out of that desire to have that kind of support. And then you created that for other moms. Moms are always asking me, please, more. we need more boy articles. We need more support. We need more information. And I continue to be surprised by it. But our blog post about raising sons is our most popular post. So I'm thrilled to have you here. When you talk about the negative assumptions, and you even wrote a blog post called, Yes, I Am Raising Boys, and No, I'm Not Sorry. So it's like, oh, my gosh, what are some of the – and then I thought about the things that I've said to moms that have, because I have one son and two daughters, but I thought, oh, yeah, when somebody tells me they have, like, three boys, anything over two. I mean, a two is a lot, too, but I go, wow, you know, that – you've got your hands full. And and so what are some of those assumptions that, that parents make when you're raising for boys. Well, I think most of the time people say things innocently. You know, I think it's, I'm, I'm sure the moms raising all girls get the same similar types of comments. But I think the main one that really got to me is when my boys were young, I'd always have them with me when we go places. Now that they're older, I don't always, you know, have to take them everywhere. But, you know, having four little boys in the grocery store at the same time, just the comments from people, a lot, mostly it was, I'm sorry. That's where that blog post came out of because you know people coming up to you seeing you have boys and saying I'm sorry in front of your children I'm like no I love these boys like this is my life and it would really that would really hurt when people would say things like that I do have some friends who have had worse comments made to them about they should have had an abortion or things like that that are terrible I don't think that's the norm um I do think that people just kind of say things without thinking. Uh, the main one people get is, so when are you going to try for your girl? <laughs> when are you going to have a girl? As if having all sons doesn't make your family complete. You know, now that my boys are getting older, I don't hear that comment as much because my youngest is eight and I'm not planning on having any more children. I think people realize that. But I, I think that we just need to take a minute and think about what we say to people in regards to their families. And I and I know it's not just when it comes to raising boys, but also, you know, anyone, parent, you know, couples that have no children, or I think we just kind of say things without thinking sometimes. Mm-hmm. We label, don't we? I mean, yeah. no matter if it's even raising boys, or it's like labeling in some other way. And you even talk about that, and I want to quote you, about each of your boys. You said nearly 17 years of raising boys, which, so your oldest, is your oldest 17? 
Almost a couple months. Okay. Okay. Um, sometimes we write something and we wrote it maybe two years ago. <laughs> but you said has taught me that even though I have four boys, the way I connect and communicate with, with each of them is so different. And then you say they are so capitalized different. Talk about what are some of the ways that you've seen your sons are really different. Well, I think when it comes to boys, we have this assumption that they're all the same. They're all rough and tumble and very aggressive. And what I have found raising four sons is they couldn't all be more different. You know, my my oldest son is very much an introvert, but he's also very stubborn. Then I have my second son who would do whatever I ask him any time, like very easygoing. But then he's very high anxiety because he wants, you know, he works really hard for grades and everything has to be perfect. So it's really interesting to see these different personalities. And I have my third son who came along and he is my only real extrovert who would talk to anyone and, you know, go anywhere with anybody. And when he was younger, I had to really keep an eye on him because he really would go anywhere with anyone. And so what I found is with these we have these assumptions that, oh, all boys are the same. You know, all boys are athletic. And that's not true. You know, there's so many boys that they don't like sports. They don't want to be down on the ground wrestling. And one, my one son that I mentioned that's um, more of the introvert, he's a big boy. So growing up, everyone wanted him on their football teams. And he, he didn't have any desire for that. That was just not not something that he wanted to do. So being able to look at each of our individual children and finding how we can connect with them on their terms. You know, what are the things that they like? How do they communicate? You know, one of my boys, it's a matter of, okay, if I can tell he's upset, I have to ask him, do you want to go on a drive? And he'll want to go on a drive because boys tend to open up more when they're side by side with you instead of looking at you across the table face to face. That's not very, very uncomfortable in that situation. And so, you know, learning what works and what doesn't with each of them is so important. Wow. And how, what was that like for you? I'm so curious about your your process with having these different boys. Well, with my first son, he was very, very stubborn. So ages, I'd say four to, I don't even know, probably now. <laughs> but those earlier years were really, really difficult. And I have a lot of moms come to me and say, I just, my son doesn't listen. He just screams. He yells. He's, you know, just so hard. And what I finally, and I just remember this moment that I had with him. And it was a very difficult moment. I was upset. He was, we were all upset. And I'd been yelling. I'd been frustrated. And I looked in his eyes and I saw this little boy who was just unable to express what he was feeling. You know, I saw him as like almost, I don't know if I would say scared or confused. And in that moment in me, it said, okay, we've got to do something different. We've got to do something different. And so that's when I started realizing and learning more about the things that drive behavior, the things that cause them to react in certain ways. And once I learned to dig deep and discover the why behind his behavior and what needs were not being met, then everything started to change for us. So with him, I learned that he has a bit of anxiety. So if we were to go go somewhere, a new place, he would literally not go in the building. He would stand outside or he'd sit in the car and you couldn't physically, you know, force him to go in a building. Or if people came over to our home that he wasn't expecting, he would react it in these just big emotions. 
And so once I realized that with him, I was able to prep him in advance. Okay, this is what's going to be happening. This is where we're going. This is who will be there. You know, and eventually he did out, you know, kind of outgrow this. But during those early ages, it was very difficult because I had other younger boys I'm trying to take care of that didn't have these same, you know, emotional reactions to things as he did. But he was the one that needed me right then in that moment. And so even now as he's, you know, almost 17, I've realized I really do have to still kind of prep him for things. You know, this is what's going to happen. And we just moved a couple of years ago. So that became into into place again. Like you're going to be in a new school. This is, you know, your school is a lot larger than it was. Just prepping them for what they're going to be going into. And some of my boys don't need that. They, Like I said, my third son could go anywhere, anytime, and he's fine. So just recognizing their individual personalities, it does take some time. And it does take a little bit of patience, a lot of patience, and practice. In, and, and you won't always get it right. I mean, I don't always get it right. You know, there's still moments of frustration and moments of yelling and then c- coming back to myself and saying, okay, let's take a step back, dig deeper, what's really going on here, and let's address the root of the problem instead of the behavior. I love that. I mean, I, I put down um, being a student of your child and being curious about why. And you also talk about how we're tempted to want to fix mm-hmm. our kids. Can you talk to the moms a little bit about that? Yes. So one thing that I've found is parents will, you know, come in and ask me questions about this behavior or that behavior and say, well, I just need to fix this. <laughs> and what I have them do is I actually have them start by looking at themselves. Mm-hmm. So look at yourself. What oh, are the I hate key- that. It always starts there. <laughs> so what are the key innate, you know, qualities that you have as a person? So I know for a fact that I am a little bit of an anxious person. Like that's something that's not going away. It's not something that someone can just say, okay, get over it and change. That's kind of who I am. And it's something I've learned to work with and deal with. And that's who I am. Some moms might be a little more prone to anger or, you know, just these different qualities, whatever it is, acknowledging that that's who you are is like the first step. And then observing your son and doing that same exercise with him. So who is he? Like down to his deepest person, you're not going to change that. So my son, like I mentioned, is kind of stubborn. I can't change that, but I have learned to talk to him in a way that makes everything kind of his idea and has helped us really put, you know, solve problems because he does it on his terms, but things still get done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I can't change that. I can't take that out of him. I just need to help him learn to reframe it into positive way. Yeah. Are you, are you finding that now that you're helping him to reframe it? Cause I think that's one of those labels that, and you know, it, it's true. I always say to my husband, oh, you're so stubborn and our one daughter is so stubborn <laughs> and she takes after you. But there's a flip side to that, right? That that stubbornness can really be a positive if it's channeled into a positive direction. Have, have you kind of seen that with your son? Do you see him growing? Even though he's 17 and they almost 17, they can be very resistant at that age. Do you see like some of that yet becoming more of a positive? So I remember when he was younger and I was dealing with a lot of the, you know, those difficult behaviors and an older mom said to me, don't worry, he'll be a leader someday. And I thought, okay, <laughs> someday he's going to use that you know, stubbornness to be a leader. And as I watch him grow, it's so true in the fact that he doesn't really get swayed by 
peer pressure. He just kind of does his own thing. He doesn't feel like he has to change who he is. Yeah, he's very good at deciding what he wants to do and just going for it now. I kind of will steer him a little bit, bring up ideas, but once it has to be his idea. Once it's his idea, he'll go with it and he doesn't need a lot of, it doesn't need a lot from me in terms of making sure, you know, he gets his schoolwork done or making sure different things. He just does it. He does it on his terms. Yeah. yeah he does it on his terms. So that can be a little frustrating to me because I was always very type A, do this, this, but he does it on his terms and he always gets things done, I guess I should say. You know, he's very good at, well, if he needs to know something, he'll research it and he'll do it. It might be last second, but he does get it done. Yeah. Well, and you bring up a good point that when we're not wired like our kids, that's uncomfortable. Being a type A person, then you have this kid that's very different. Yes. And and maybe not even a rule follower. My one kid is not a people pleaser whatsoever, and I'm a recovering people pleaser. And that was so uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, my gosh, how can you not care about this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it brings up our own stuff. Yeah, that you've been able to work with him and your boys and see what do they really need, and each of them being so different. So talk a little bit about, I think there, do you have three like needs? I know that the moms that are, are listening to this want to know what are some of those needs that our boys need that are unique to being a boy? Right. So there are three emotional needs that really kind of contribute to their behaviors. And if those needs aren't being met, that's when you might end up with behavioral problems or just them doing things that you're like, what, what was he thinking? <laughs> so one of those needs is the need for experience. So our boys have this need to do things. To They have this body. They want to experience things. So that's why you might see them climbing a high tree, trying to jump off of something. You know, as they get older, their need for experience gets a little more dangerous. <laughs> you know, maybe going and jumping off cliffs and things like that. But they have this body that they want to use. So when we see like our younger boys doing these things and we and we've told them not to and we, you know, why do they keep wanting to do this? Just remember, they have these needs for experience. And so when we can recognize that, we can find ways to fill that need that might be more safe or help them to use their curiosity in a in a better way. Yeah. <laughs> they're not getting hurt. I mean, my, I think last year we had seven broken bones. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Just from different things. One was from my son. No wonder you're anxious. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And when it comes to that anxiety, I really had to pull back on and try not to get them to not want to do things because I will be like, oh no, I don't want to be the helicopter mom that doesn't let them do anything because of my anxiety because they don't have that same anxiety. So if I can find creative ways to help them still have these, meet these ex- needs, this need for experience, then they're less likely to be, you know, trying to do these dangerous things. Yeah, yeah. But they do have that need for adventure. So maybe you've told your son, quit jumping on the couch, you know, over and over and over, and they're still doing it. Well, taking that moment saying, well, you can't jump on the couch, but here's some things you can do. You know, you can jump on the trampoline. You can, you know, giving them these other options. And just say no. Right, right. So they still have that need to do something. So if you have a younger kid who's you know, coloring on a wall to see what happens, or I had a, a nephew who dumped everything in the toilet, you know, okay, but you, you can't do that, but you can color on this thing. Or, you know, and so it's the same as our boys get older. You know, they might not understand why we're saying they can't go with their friends in the middle of the night and, you know, race down the street. <laughs> but 
tell them, yeah, we can't do this, but here's some options of things you can do, you know, tomorrow or whatever. So recognizing they have that need, that in a little bit of a need for adrenaline, whatever it is. And some boys actually feel that need through video games. And so they're, you know, they might not go out and do actual physical things, but they might kind of get this addiction to their video games because they get that same type of thrill. So if they're playing video games where they're um, racing in a video game, maybe offer to take them to ride go-karts or something like that to give them that same type of experience, that same thrill of winning, but, you know, in a little more positive environment where they're not completely glued to a screen, if that makes sense. I love that. So replacing that gaming to but something that's still going to give them that thrill, like the mm-hmm. go-kart racing. Yeah, exactly. Because boys do have that, that need for competition. They really do like that, you know, competition. So finding a way to fill that need in a more positive way. Yeah. What's another one? So another one is a need for attention and connection. So sometimes you might not think that our boys need this as much as, you know, maybe a daughter because, they aren't as, and I know this, I don't want to make an assumption because some boys are definitely more affectionate than others. But when you have a son who you go to hug and it's just, you know, stiff arm and <laughs> you might think they don't need that attention or connection, but they do. Like they still need to, un- to feel that you, you know, are there for them and you can do that in just simple ways. So some of that is just, you know, you can spend one-on-one time. And when you have several children, this can be really difficult to do, say, every single day. But it might just be a matter of, you know, the first, I always say the, the nine most important minutes of the day. And I, I can't remember where I heard this from. But that can be the first three minutes when they wake up, like just talking to them and getting them kind of emotionally ready for whatever is ahead in that day. And then the three minutes when they either get back from school or you get home from work, kind of checking in again during those three minutes. And then the three minutes before bedtime, really being focused on being intentional during that time. Then you don't have to feel like, oh, we didn't go on this big adventure, so I'm not getting my one-on-one time with my son. But really, if you're just spending those little bits of time throughout the day, then when you do plan a big, a bigger thing, that's just an extra special thing you can do. Another way to really build that connection is to let them teach you something. So if your son, I know a lot of moms and boys say, all my son wants to do is talk about Minecraft, you know, and I don't know anything about Minecraft. But if you can sit and sit through your son talking to you about Minecraft, ask him to show you how it works. You know, that is a really great way to connect with him because it's showing that you're interested in what he's interested in. I think as parents, we're kind of always the teacher. But when we can swap roles and let our son teach us something they're interested in, that really does help to build that connection and realize that you are giving them you know, that one-on-one attention that they're craving. Oh, gosh, I love those. Really good. Did you have another one you wanted to share? Yeah, just one more. And this is the one that if you have a stubborn child, you'll understand this one. So they also have this need for power, power and independence. And so you might think, oh, but I can't let my son have all this power because he won't, then he won't listen or whatever it is. But if you think about being a parent, we tell our kids what they can do each and every day. We tell them what to eat. A lot of the time we might tell them what to, how to dress, how to, you know, when they can go places, when they can't. And we're always kind of taking away that power and telling them what they can do. And so our boys really do have this desire to be independent. And this starts when they're younger. This is when, you know, you have tantrums with a two-year-old because they're playing with a toy and you tell them they have to go to bed and they don't want to go to bed. They want to play with this toy. You know, and as our boys get older, it might be 
okay, you need to do your homework and not just play video games. And that might be where they get upset. So when you, when it comes to this need for power, we need to find little ways that we can let them come up with solutions to problems. And so one of the ways that you can do that is first just acknowledge what they're feeling. So if your son is playing video games and he's in the middle of a game, just acknowledge, I can tell you really enjoy playing video games. You know, you're really good at it. You know, mention some strengths that you can see in him. Um, Connect with him in that way. And then if he's been playing video games and not doing his homework or his chores, responsibilities, say, I really want you to have this chance to play video games because I can see that you, you know, you really enjoy that. We all need to do things that we enjoy. However, you also have these responsibilities that you need to take care of. So what solution do you have so that you are still going to have time to play video games, but you'll still get your homework and your responsibilities taken care of? And then be willing to listen and see what they come up with. Um, in, my, in my home, we have a electronics contract. So they know, okay, these are the rules we have for electronics. And then also let them come up with their own consequences for if they break those, you know, those rules. So that way, that's giving them the power because they came up with the solution with you. They yeah. knew what the consequences were. So then if they break those rules or don't follow through, the consequences on them, like they can't be mad at you because they already knew what it was going into it. <laughs> so giving them that little bit of power will really help with a lot of the behavioral issues that you might be dealing with. And as parents, it can be kind of hard to sit back and let them kind of come up with solutions. And I'm not saying just let them choose whatever they want, but talk with it, come up with a compromise, and come up with something that works for both of you. And if they do come up with a solution that you're like, I'm not sure that's going to work, then that's when you can say, okay, we're going to try this for one week. And yeah. after, after one week, we'll come back, we'll reevaluate, we'll see if it's still working or if it's not. So, yeah, I love that because it's like, I, I don't know what it is, and I don't know if the, if the moms listening are going to agree with me, but there's something about sometimes parenting that feels like we have to get it right the first time and, like, have it written in stone rather than, okay, well, we're going to try this for, you know, a week or a couple of days, and we'll reevaluate and see how it works. Right. We can always be experimenting and seeing what until we find what works, and our kids are learning going through that process. Like, okay, what works, what doesn't? I love that you have them write down their consequences, too, and come up with those because then they're going to be mad at you and right. have that buy-in with what the, whatever is agreed upon, and you're giving them that positive power that they need. So those are so experience. And the second one, you said positive attention, right? Mm-hmm. And then the positive power. Yes. Yeah, those are really good. And you – have I want you have so many resources on your website I was looking I was like I mean moms you got to check out her website all kinds of ideas to connect what are some of your top best seller ideas like what are a couple that we could check out on your site that you find especially with raising queens and teens do you have a few that come to your mind in terms of blog posts or well, I like you have resources like the book okay. to read, activities to do, yeah. and you have those journals for connection. Like I just okay. would love if you would share a few of like the nuggets that you find moms are like, this is really helpful. Well, when it comes to um, maybe younger younger boys, maybe I would say seven to well seven to twelve, so tweens. Okay. Um, so these journals are really great because what they are is they are a way that you. Basically, there's questions. So there's a question for mom that mom fills it out. 
And then it's a question for son. The son fills it out. So as they go throughout this book, it's like, hey, what if you could do anything in the world with you had any amount of money, what would you do? And it's really just a way to connect with your son to pass back and forth and get them to open up to you. It's also great for writing skills. Boys tend to not like writing. Um, and so they kind of put that off it, in terms of school. They have a hard time. My boys really do not like writing. But this is just a way to connect with your son. So you could even just, you know, pass it back and forth, put it on their pillow, and they answer a question, they put it on your pillow and answer a question, and just a way to kind of get into their brain a little bit without them having to sit, sit you know, face-to-face and have conversations. So those are fun. It's, it's The Mother and Her Son, A Shared Journal Adventure, and then I just, just published A Father and His Son because I had a lot of requests for something for the boys to write back and forth. I'll make sure I link to that with the interview so moms can, can take a look at that want to hear another one what's another one okay so I do have a new resource so in my moms of boys Facebook community which you had mentioned at the beginning I had a mom who posted a question it said something along the lines of my son never listens to me can anyone relate and we had over 800 comments from moms who were struggling to get their son to listen to them so I've put together a couple of resources for them. I do have a free guide that's just how to get your son to listen guide, um, how to get your son to listen without yelling, I believe is what it's it's called. And I know we can link to that. It's found at thejoysofboys.com slash listen. And then I put together a workshop for moms that actually want to take these, some of these concepts and really put them into action and have a little bit of hand holding as, because this, some of these things when you're, when you're not raised with maybe positive parenting techniques and those sort of things, it can be kind of hard to make that switch. You know, when you realize, okay, yelling or spanking or all these other things aren't working, I need help switching my, my mindset into what can work. And so that's what this workshop is. It's called Confident Mothers Thriving Sons. And it's really to help moms find confidence in their abilities to raise the good son and then also to help bring out his strengths and help him to thrive through the ways that you communicate with him and solve problems together. So that is, yeah. yeah. That's good. Because we need, we do, we need support. We need hand-holding when you're trying to do things differently and we're hardwired for a certain way or – we didn't grow up learning how to do that. It's you can say it, you can read it in a book, but implementing it is a whole nother, another deal. Right. That's yeah. Awesome. So that can be found at um, thejoysofboys.com slash thriving sons workshop. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a good one. We'll put that. And that in. one's yeah. That one's been really great for those that really they see that they want to do things differently, but just don't really know how. And it's very basic. Has some very simple. I say homework at, at the end of each lesson, but it's something that can be done in a week to really change the dynamic in your home. That sounds great. Yeah, I always feel like it's like go back to the basics, right? Mm-hmm. We need those simple basics that can be really powerful when we put those into practice. Right, and a lot of it is just recognizing that, like I mentioned before, that there's always a, a why behind a behavior. So once you can recognize that and start learning it just it kind of becomes second nature to stop and pause when your son is once you've learned how to do this and say, OK, what's really going on here? That's what I always say. What's really going on here? You know, if my son broke something because he was throwing a ball in the house, you know, I could run down there yelling and screaming and everything else. But that's not going to fix the fact that something got broken and he's probably already feeling really, really bad. So if I can just pause for a moment and say, OK, what's really going on here? Kind of transform my thoughts a little bit to, you know 
helpful thoughts. I can't always say I can have positive thoughts when something like that happens, but I can have a helpful thought, like how can we get through this and come up with a solution? You know, because if I go down yelling and they start yelling and everyone's yelling, you know, the thing's still broken and nothing's really, you know, your relationship might be damaged at that point, you know, a little bit. So I've never heard that before. I can't have a, it may not be a positive thought, but it can be helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're right. It's like you, you can't make it positive when they break something. But right. what will be helpful, right? You know, what is needed here right now? Yes. Because I remember, I, you know, thinking, oh, I just don't think negative. But always think positive. But I can't do that. I've, I've recognized that. And so I think that's part of becoming, like, understanding who you are as a mom as well. Like, maybe some people can. Maybe they could find the positive in that, those kind of situations. But I can't. <laughs> so I have to recognize what's helpful, what will help us get through this situation and keep our relationship strong, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that we have moms that have questions, and then I got a bunch of questions. So we'll try and get some of these questions answered in the next 10 minutes. How do you get them to talk when they are mad over something that seems stupid (laughs) to us, to me? Okay. Yeah. So I actually love this question because I've been noticing with my boys that we've had some really weird kind of behaviors or things that I've been getting upset about that just, like she said, seem (laughs) seem stupid to us, seem silly. Mm -hmm. And one of my boys was really upset a couple months ago over something that seemed so silly. And I couldn't, I just couldn't figure this one out. It took me a minute. And then once I started looking and as I said, to kind of dig deeper and find out what the real problem, why is he really upset about this silly thing? And with him, it actually, and I, as I've talked with a lot of moms right now, our boys, their life is so upside down because of quarantine and school not being in and all these things. So my son was upset about this thing that I thought was really silly. But as I started to dig deeper, I realized, okay, they got pulled out of school without any notice. It's like they went on Friday and they didn't go back. You know, they didn't get to gather any of their things together. Um, and this oh. son, son was very, my very most social child. And oh. so he was showing these behaviors that he was getting upset over these silliest things when deep down what was really going on is he was so emotionally not able to express what he was feeling with all these changes happening. You know, all the, all they hear is talk of, you know, quarantine and talk of viruses and all these different things. And we can't go to school. And we, so I think if we take a moment and, and just sit down and say, okay, acknowledge what they're feeling is what I always say. You're really upset right now. Mm -hmm. I can tell you're really upset and just kind of express that so that they know that you're not just blowing them off. I think that's one of the biggest kind of mistakes we can make is just say, oh, you're fine when they really are upset about something. And this goes for any age of our children. If you can actually connect with them in that way and show empathy, they are much more likely to, one, um, stop whatever the behavior is, you know, calm down a lot more quickly and two, open up to you about the situation because they know you're not just going to blow them off. Yeah. That's the, you know, kind of the first step is just acknowledging, okay, you're really upset. And even if it is silly, you know, you're really upset about this, but let's see if we can, you know, talk about it. Or maybe you just need to go, want to go to your room and just for a bit and we can talk about it later. Cause boys don't always want to talk. Like they don't always want to talk in the moment. So sometimes it's not, a, if, if they're upset about something and they, you know, aren't hurting anybody, Maybe it's just a matter of they just need some time alone to process it. And then, you know, before bed, maybe just say, hey, you're really upset earlier. Is there anything I can do to help you? 
or, you know, is there any way I can help you with this situation? So. Yeah, I like that being more inviting versus I think as moms, it's we tend to want to like something must be wrong. And then we're mm-hmm. trying to get them to talk, yep. which is like the whole cat under the bed. Then they go hide. <laughs> yeah. And if they don't want to talk right then, mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, hey, if you want to talk about this later, I'm here. Right. Yeah, because I think as moms, we want to fix things like we mentioned earlier. We want to fix their problems. We love our children. We don't want to see them sad or upset. But sometimes, you know, we we forget that they're human, too, that they have human emotions and that they have to express those emotions just like we would as adults. You know, I have moments where I'm upset and I don't want to talk about it. You know, I just want to go and on a walk or whatever it is. And our boys have those same type of emotions. We kind of put them on this pedestal where we think, oh, they should be happy all the time. And we have to make sure that everything in their life is, you know, roses when in reality it's not. And they're going to have these negative experiences. They're going to have emotions they have to work through. And so just being there and being supportive, even if we don't understand, you know, what they're going through or why they're so upset about it. And that that will help them really want to come to you when there are bigger problems to deal with. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, let me see if anybody put any questions in the chat. Okay, here we go. How do you get a 19-year-old boy with anxiety issues to see the therapist, straighten meds maybe, and then take them? That's a topic. Um, it is clear to us he needs help, but he distanced from us more than before. How would you encourage your son if he's got anxiety Um, to see the therapist. I think kind of going back to what we just mentioned is just being very empathetic with him, um, expressing that what you see in him, um, you know, I can see you're anxious. I can see this. um, And then just showing that empathy, like I'm here for you. I want the best for you. I want to help you. Um, Unfortunately, when they get to this certain ages, we can't force them to go to therapy or force them. And, And really when you start looking at their behavior and you start digging deeper, maybe the reason he doesn't want to go to a therapist is because he's embarrassed. You know, that might be that, that might be part of it. Uh, maybe helping to him to understand and to kind of normalize and realize that this is something that's a medical medical issue. If you were sick, you know, you'd go to a doctor. But maybe he'd be more comfortable not face to face with the therapist. But there's some online programs that might be more, you know, helpful for what he's feeling. Um yeah, it is difficult when they're older because, like I said, you can't necessarily force someone who's essentially an adult to to do something they don't want to do. But really just showing that that empathy and giving them some, you know, some choices. You know, maybe this will, is not what he wants to do, but maybe if you came up with, you know, this other option, maybe he would speak to someone on the phone but doesn't want to see them face to face, you know, that sort of thing. So kind of coming up with a few different options for him and then kind of guiding him to make the choice for himself, to have power over you know, yeah. that choice he makes. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah, giving him that positive power that he gets to choose rather than trying to get him to see a therapist, which, of course, we know would probably help him by allowing him to choose that, make that decision. Yeah, and that empathy and listening. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. One question I had um that nobody asked, but I was thinking, you know, you hear, I only have one son, but I work with moms so often that have a couple of boys and they're physically fighting all the time and they're, they're wrestling, but usually one gets hurt, one's upset. 
how have you dealt with that, with having four boys, with the sibling fighting, the wrestling, the somebody getting hurt? Do you have rules around that? So, you know, I heard some advice a long time ago that was basically as long as someone's not getting hurt to let them work out the problems together. And so that's what I typically try to do. We don't get a ton of ton of fight. We do get fighting. We do get arguing. Um, but the thing that's funny is now that my boys are getting close to like the same size, like we don't have as much of the physical fighting because they can kind of defend themselves. <laughs> but so what I've always done with my boys is they are very good. And this is something I love about raising boys is they don't really hold grudges. They're very physical. They get it out and then they're best friends again five minutes later. So if they're, if someone's not getting hurt, what I do teach my boys is if someone says stop, that means stop. So whether it's they're just being silly or whatever it is, but if they're fighting and or just even roughhousing and someone says stop, that's the end of it. Like that just teaches them and, you know, even in the long run that if someone tells you stop, that stop. And so I do have that discussion with my boys quite frequently. If they are, you know, getting a little bit too rough, then that means you need to stop. You know, and obviously there are times where you have to step in and send them a different direction. Um, a lot of the times for me when we're doing chores or whatnot, I do, I just put them all in different rooms because if they're together, you know, there tends to be, oh, he's not doing as much as me or he's not. So giving them totally different, different jobs in different rooms seems to help. But I, in terms of them, you know, being rough and roughhousing, you know, that's just part of who they are. It's kind of a really innate thing in boys to kind of get rough and tumble with each other, at least in some boys. So I guess it depends on what your home rules are. You know, if you don't allow that in your home, then, okay, you guys can go outside. Go outside, wrestle around, whatever you need to do to get that, you know, energy out. Um, but you can't do it in the house. That's one of those other things, like, you can't do it here, but you can do it there. Yeah, yeah. But if it is getting, you know, more violent, then I, you definitely would need to step in and, you know, either just listen to each side of the story and see what's what's going on and then help them come up with the solution together. Yeah. Yeah. Helping them to work through that conflict. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, if we jump in and just automatically assume, because I have one boy that tends to be the problem causer. And then so he's always like, you always are getting after me and it wasn't even my fault. So if we just assume that it was the one and when it's not, you know, then that can cause problems as well. So just, you know, separate them and then listen to each side of the story and say, how are we going to fix this together? Lots of good questions versus assuming, jumping yeah. assumptions, yelling, yeah, mm-hmm. getting them to talk about right. it. It always goes back to that um, question of what's really going on here. That's what I always kind of goes through my mind whenever there's a situation. Okay, what's really going on here? <laughs> and then that helps me to be more calm to to figure, you know, to work with them and figure out the pro- a solution for the problem. Gosh, so helpful. So, so helpful. I like want to go on. <laughs> I still have more questions. So moms have more questions, you know, know that you can reach out and you can email Kara and um, tell them where to find you. I will share it all, what your email is so they can reach out to you as well. Okay. You can reach out to me at Kara at thejoysofboys.com. And so make sure there's the S in the middle, um, the joys of boys. And then uh, my Facebook page is the joys of boys dot com slash the joys. Oh, sorry. Facebook dot com slash the joys of my boys. Um, and Sam on Instagram, the joys of my boys on Instagram. 
And then, yeah, I'll get you the link for the Moms of Boys Facebook community. Yeah. yeah feel free to, anyone can feel free to reach out to me and I can point you towards you know, different resources that might be helpful. Okay, wonderful. Well, Kara, thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you and get to connect with you here and, yeah, and, and hear your wisdom about raising boys because it is, it's different and, um, how to, how to support them to be those unique men that they are and just, yeah, being tuned into the why, what they're really needing and how to connect. And so everybody check out her resources because you have so many different wonderful ideas on there for how to connect and improve our relationships. So yeah. I oh, thank you. And I would just say the one last word to your moms is don't be hard on yourself. Like we're all in this together and I know it can be very at times to feel like you can feel like a failure or we're not doing enough. Don't be hard on yourself. As long as you're, you're trying to do, you know, do good for your children each and every day and to love them in the ways that, that you can, then you're doing, you're doing what, the best you can do. So we so need to hear that message. Thank you for ending on that <laughs> on that note because I think, oh, we're so hard on ourselves. Yes. And and we need to take that in. So thank you. All right. Well have a great day and thanks so much. That's it for today. And thank you so much for joining me. And at the time of this recording, we are at the beginning of 2021. I can't believe it. Yay! We made it through last year together. And this year, I'm super excited for all that we're planning to support you raising tweens and teens. So I want to encourage you to visit our website, momsoftweensandteens.com and sign up for our newsletter. We're starting our Valentine challenge. We're kicking that off February 1st until Valentine's Day, which you'll get all kinds of affirmations and you'll get cutouts and printables. It's a huge success every year. And I get just hundreds of emails from moms and teachers and principals. And so it's just really cool and a wonderful way to build your kids up and spread the love in your family. Also on Wednesday, February 3rd, I'm kicking off a three-day free live training. It's from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, and it's called Building a Strong Relationship with Your Tween and Team and Helping Them to Thrive, the Crash Course on Conflict, Communication, and Connection. All of these things you'll find out more when you go to our momsoftweensandteens.com website. So have a great week, and I will see you back here next Tuesday. Tuesday.